If you would please remain standing for our scripture reading today, which comes from 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is, it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the discernment of spirits. To another various kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day that you have made and given to us. We thank you for our baptism and our place in your church. Thank you, Lord, for these, your people. We pray that you open our hearts and minds to receive your word. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The United States has always been called a, a great melting pot, a place where people from different countries and cultures have come together for over two centuries to form somewhat of a coherent new whole, or out of many, one, a pluris unum. This model was initiated and perfected, however, two millennia ago. In the first century, when this creative new entity known as Ecclesia, or the church, was called into being. Can you just imagine for a moment this morning, for the first time, Jews, Christians, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Jews and Gentiles, people from Asia, Africa, Europe, people from vastly different communities, countries, and cultures. They come together and were united by a faith and a commitment to the one Lord, Jesus Christ. You see, that's what Jesus always does. Jesus always unites us. Regardless of where we're from, regardless of who we are, Jesus always unites us. Jesus makes our lives worth living. Then, like now, it, it took some doing. 
mixing all these different people together. In this week's text, Paul acts as the ultimate mix master, explaining to the Corinthian church how its members could get over their differences and instead embrace the singular unity that binds them together in their faith and their confession, confession of Jesus Christ. In other words, for the church to pull in the same direction. Paul tried to be a bit diplomatic to the Corinthians, and Carolyn read to us this morning in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 3. But, but Paul is, is very, he's crystal clear by stating that he does not want the Corinthian believers, this Corinthian church, to be ignorant. In other words, not knowing. He didn't want them to be uninformed, as the NRSV says. He is inferring that they desperately need instruction. But he goes on to say that the ignorance of this community, it's not willful. Paul lets them off the hook. Paul excuses their confusion by noting that they were once pagans. You were once pagans. You know any different. And such as they were, they were led astray to idols. Paul's words evoke the image of, of pagan processionals to various gods and shrines with a priest of each cult leading the way, sacrificing animals to this cultic center. What Paul is saying, that's what you used to do, but no more. You're not pagans any longer. You're not pagans any longer. Paul, as a, a Pharisaic Jew, he found it particularly pathetic that these pagan worshipers, that they would seek guidance and solace from, from an idol that couldn't speak. For the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, down through the years, was a God that spoke, that spoke through the prophets, that spoke that was always active. God, this was a God that was always present, a God who speaks and acts in and for his people. Paul found that disgusting that they could be led astray. Does anyone here, you probably won't, I'm, I'm sure I'm the only one that will remember this. Anyone here remember what they used to call places where you put gas in your car? They weren't called gas stations or fueling centers. They were called service stations. Service stations. When you pulled up, and I was just blessed to be born in a big city of Paragul. <laughs> when, when, you, when you pulled up, there would be somebody racing to your car to put gas in your car. Sometimes... As in my case, I can remember when there'd be two people do that. They would come while one was putting gas in, the other was doing what? Cleaning your windshield, you remember? Cleaning your windshield. Checking your oil. Remember the, the oil outside, you know, check your oil. And sometimes, if, if you did have to, they might check your, your tire pressure. But, but anyway, in, anyway, you would give them your money, and they would wave bye-bye as, as, as you drove off. Service stations also used to give out gifts. 
after so many gallons. I'm so glad y'all, those folks over there, they don't know, you know. <laughs> and, and, and so, anyway, y'all tell them I said that. Are, are we, no, we got a camera. I still meant it. <laughs> so anyway, these service stations, they used to give out gifts. So after so many gallons of gas that you'd purchase, that you would get a drinking glass. You know, you get a, a drinking glass. I grew up, I'm telling you, I, I grew up, uh, our glasses were from Shell and Texaco and, and, and other places. Maybe you have to. But when somebody says to you, Service. That was a service station. When someone asks you or says to you, were you ever in the service, what, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Yeah, military. Sure it is. That was the, you know, men and women who have served to defend and protect this country. I got this little tidnip that I didn't know a, a thing about, um, out of a, an article, a necessary evil is also necessary uh, good. It says, I don't believe it's the New York Times, but that's what it says, a literary supplement, uh, the, and it was written May the 26, 2000. Listen to this. This is about George Washington. George Washington asked for no pay for serving commander-in-chief uh, of the Continental Forces during the Revolutionary War. He, he looked at what he was doing as a service. For his country. So he refused to accept any pay, nor did he submit any expenses, which the article said added up to nearly 10 times what his salary would have been anyway. Before taking office as president, he again offered to serve without pay if they would simply pay his expenses. And at this time, the article says that the Congress courteously declined. Even if you've never worn a uniform, even if you have never gone through boot camp, even if you've never saluted a superior officer, if you are a baptized Christian, you're in the service. Listen to what I'm saying. You're in the service. No matter what your background whether it's silk sheets or back streets or corporate worksheets, we are one community in service to each other, gifted for others, and to the world. Paul's lesson on spiritual gifts this week in this week's um, text reading wasn't simply about a, a variety of spiritual gifts that might be available. He didn't say, now these might be available. We'll have to wait and see what the Spirit does. He didn't say that. Paul loves lists. And his list of giftings were not meant to be exhaustive or definitive, but expressive and suggestive. So, so Paul's lesson on spiritual gifts was to teach the community that whatever their individual gifts might be, they all came from the same source. And that all who were gifted by the Holy Spirit should be, gift, uh, should, should be governed by the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that calls us to be in service. There's an old saying that many folks want to serve God, but only as advisors. Paul would have none of that. 
All Christians receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of their baptism. The giftings of the Spirit are not to make us feel good. Are not to make us feel good or feel superior to others in our faith community. Whatever is gifted and grace to us is for one purpose only. And what is it? The common good. The common good. The church. To use whatever God has given to each and every one of us for the common good. We are grace and gifted not for ourselves, but for a life in the service. In the service of others, gifted for others, for the common good, the body of Christ. Think about how good that you feel when you go and help someone. It's always the Holy Spirit that equips us to go and to bless other people in Jesus' name. We're all gifted in one area or another. It's always amazed me how people play um, musical instruments. And, you know, as, as mentioned yesterday at Dottie B's uh, service, the things and playing the organ and piano and ukulele. I don't know ukulele, but, but any, anything. I mean, it's always amazed me. We're gifted in one area or another for the common good. Hospitality, teaching, preaching, giving, compassion. Being intentional about equipping the saints for ministry. We know how important that it is for us always to be ready and able to give a reason for the hope that lives within us. We know that. We know that it's always appropriate to go to the unchurched with an open invitation that folks can be a part of God's kingdom. We know the importance of teaching God's word. And, and for us to be okay about getting messy. Our lives are messy, starting with mine. And when we use those gifts for the common good, we are going to get messy because we become involved with other people and other people's lives. But we're to use what God has, has given to us. We're gifted for other folks to build up the community, to be in unity, to be as one. And we're still nervous in the church about speaking about spiritual gifts. As hard as Paul tried to disarm the Corinthians' claim to special gifts, that particular stigma has, has been historically hard to unstick, if you don't know the truth about it. In the 21st century, claiming a spiritual gift sounds to the ears of the world a bit spacey. It does, it sounds spacey. Or stagey, or like, look at me. Or maybe even a little bit new agey. Strange, deranged. Paul in the first century, he popped all those bubbles. He made sure that everyone understood at their baptism, gifted by the Holy Spirit, it was for the common good. Never, never, ever to elevate the individual. No matter what gift that God has given to you or to me, Never for us to elevate ourselves, but for the common good. Paul showed this new Christian community of believers in Corinth. And by the way, and I may have said this already, and if I did, forgive me. This church was almost all Gentile. They were almost all Gentile. That the Spirit of God that they had received at the moment of their baptism, it transformed them, gifted them, making them 
into a part of the body of Christ. At baptism, we put service over ourselves. The question changes, my dear friends. What can I get out of this? Or what can I get out of my faith? Two, how can my faith help me to serve God, the body of Christ, for the common good? And again, of course, this body is the church. If Paul were writing to encourage us today of the spiritual gifts for today's church, and I just jotted down a, a list of things that, that popped into my head, but insurance advisors, uh, uh, bankers, tech support gurus, systems analysis, daycare directors, on and on and on, healthcare folks, uh, and, and trying to get through this maze with Medicare and supplements and, and all that stuff. Paul's list included wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing. And they're all essential. Everything that's been mentioned here is absolutely essential to the spiritual life and, and for the health of the church in the 21st century. Spiritual gifts are, are whatever makes it possible. Whatever makes it possible for members of the community of faith to add to the well-being and life of the community. You all hear what I'm saying? Regardless of what your gift is, regardless of what it is, whether it's, it, it, it's you know, uh, doing these attendance pads or being ushers or greeters or, or visiting the homebound or wh whatever that it might be, everyone is important. Everyone is important. And the service, being gifted for others, means there are no personal ends to serve, only the common good. Every Christian, in my opinion, when asked, have they ever or are they in the service, should answer yes. Should answer yes. At the moment of our baptism, we are joined together in the community with service. We only await for the directive from the Spirit to lead us in that path of service. Maybe it was with this slogan in mind that the 1972 book of worship published by the United Methodist Church, the great thanksgiving, recited at the Lord's table ends with this line. Make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. A room service waiter at a Marriott hotel learned that the sister of a, a guest had died. The waiter's name was Charles. He bought a sympathy card, had hotel staff members to sign it and gave it to this distraught guest with a hot piece of apple pie. Mr. Marriott, the guest later wrote to the president of Marriott Hotels, I'll never meet you, and I don't even need to meet you because I met Charles. Because I met Charles. I know what you stand for, and I want to assure you as long as I live, I will stay at your hotels. And I would tell my friends to stay at your hotels. As Christian people, as we go out into the world, 
to share the gospel of, of Jesus Christ for this church to become what God has called this church to be. It takes every one of us understanding that we're gifted, that we're gifted for others to use our gifts and our graces in the service for the building up of the kingdom of God. The heart of Christianity, it lies in the incarnation. The divine nature is self-emptying. Think of Jesus, self-emptying and self-sacrificial, not self-serving, but in the service. Will you join in the service this week? Thanks be to God. Amen.